There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Live from Los Angeles. And you know what's interesting? When I'm not in Florida, the level of interest in Today's biggest news story politically is zero. And that is not a good sign for the governor. Because you see, people around the country either don't know him or could care less or absolutely think he's a monster. And I forget about that because I live in Florida where we love our governor. We think our governor is awesome. But I have so much to say about this, because first and foremost, I did the stupid that, well, I didn't do it, but unfortunately, I was out there on a airline, which I have over and over again said I would never fly again. And then, you know, it's a Memorial Day holiday weekend, and it's the busiest travel day of the year today. I came in yesterday into LA, but uh, a three-hour delay on my espiritu, on my spirit flight, which put us into Los Angeles at midnight, after midnight. And I just, uh, it, it's just very difficult to travel like that. It really is. But uh, we got here. My son picked us up. We came. And I, I asked him on the ride home, you know, what do people say about the, uh, the announcement on Twitter today? about Governor DeSantis jumping into the presidential race. And he goes, oh, was that today? <laughs> He's in the news business. you know. So I guess uh, it's really not that big a story up here. Now, I was in an airplane, and you have to pay for Wi-Fi on this airline. Well, I guess you really have to pay on most of them, but in particular, you have to pay for everything on Spirit. You gotta pay for your seat, you gotta pay for your bag, you gotta pay for your, you know, can't have a glass of water, nothing. It's all like, you know, extra money for everything. And so I did pay for Wi-Fi. And I said, okay, good. I'll be able to watch the Twitter stream. So when 6 o'clock came or 6.30, whatever it was scheduled for, I got on to Twitter and nothing. I mean, nothing was happening. I went to the Spaces Places, <laughs> whatever it's called, and, and nothing was happening. It was delayed, 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 delayed. Now, I'm a political junkie, and I have to do this for a living, so I hung in, but it was delayed, like, for, I don't know, close to 30 minutes, I think, and then it was a mess. It was just a total disaster, or as they say, a disaster. <laughs> That's the, uh, that was the headline from uh, one of the news sites, uh, DeSantis D. Disaster. So that was interesting. Now, of course, 
the President Donald Trump had a field day. He really did. I mean, you can't afford to give him more targets. You know, he's got a target on Ron DeSantis' back anyway. And we heard Cal Thomas yesterday saying, like, oh, I don't like that, and I don't like this, and I got a lot of friends who, who are sick and tired of the, uh, the way that Donald Trump speaks and the uh, apparent uh, disregard he has for women and minorities and this and that. And this. They quickly forget three Supreme Court justices. They quickly forget uh, the beginnings of a border wall. Now everybody else is running on, I'm going to build a wall. I'm going to build a wall. Well, he built a wall and would have built a complete wall if the Republicans in Congress hadn't stopped him. So if you give him a target, he will hit that target. I had a couple of emails from people, the usual suspects, saying like, oh, you know, he, uh, he was so mean-spirited and he's wrong and he's, uh, you know, he's incoherent and he throws the, the, the universe into chaos. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what he does because he's not a politician and he doesn't want to play the game. And it's really tough for people like me because I don't understand why other pundits who have historically supported him and have had really amazing access to him, um, including Mark Levin, who's one of the few radio hosts I have any respect for in this day and age. And apparently he sent out a link last night to Ron DeSantis's um, fundraising page. Now, he knows both Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. And all I keep thinking is Donald Trump keeps giving access to the Mark Levins and the Sean Hannity's of the world. Now, granted, they have huge audiences and large followings, and you're going to get a bang for your buck on their shows. But what about people like me? People like Wayne Allen Root, people like uh, you know Dan Bongino. Well, Dan, of course, also has a gigantic reach. Um, but what about all of us who stand by him and defend him, even against really uh, important people who we value their opinion, like a Cal Thomas? You know, I don't back down from my support for Donald Trump, and I think he better reawaken as he did in the first election, to the fact that it's people like me in small, mar well, I'm not in a small market, but in medium-sized markets and even in small markets, forget about those major players in the large markets. You know, they'll do whatever's expedient or whatever will keep them on the air. Not me. You know, I do, thank God, I work for a company and I have a program director and, and an operations manager and a general manager who say, do your thing. You know, just don't break any laws and they let me speak my mind. And it's people like us who will push him over the finish line. And now I'm more convinced than ever because let me tell you what the number one trending story yesterday was. It was not the announcement of Ron DeSantis on Twitter, not even close. The number one trending story everywhere I checked was the death of Tina Turner. Now that's a a big story, um, you know, for those of us who, although when you think about it, and my husband and I were having this discussion on the plane yesterday, Tina Turner didn't have very many hit songs, but the hit songs that she had were gigantic. And of course she had the best legs ever. Um, but Tina Turner 
spent the last few years of her life peacefully living in a small town in Switzerland. And apparently, at 83, she she passed, and, uh, and, and it was relatively peaceful, though she had been sick for quite some time. But that story was trending everywhere, all over this country, all over Europe, pretty much all over the world. I guess they probably don't care that much in China or Russia, but everywhere else, it was a big story. On the other hand, only in America was Ron DeSantis' announcement a quasi-big story, and it wasn't as big as you might have thought. And what became bigger almost immediately was, you know, the the people who were mocking it. You know, the Fox News trolls were the ones who called it Disaster DeSantis. <laughs> you know, um, it was plagued with technical difficulties. I thought it was me because I was up in the air with a pretty limited amount of Wi-Fi. But I could not hear much of it. It was like, um, I think Fox News led with a headline that said, Amateur Hour. The much-hyped presidential announcement was a disaster for Twitter due to tech issues. And then Fox News rubbed it in with programming alert. Want to actually see and hear Ron DeSantis? Tune into Fox News at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So Fox uh, had Trey Gowdy on at 8 o'clock, and he had arranged to have Ron, who's, uh, you know, they served together in Congress, so I'm sure that wasn't a tough pull for uh, Trey Gowdy, not to mention, you know, it's not like CNN or MSNBC was going to invite Ron on, nor is it likely for Ron to go on those stations like Donald Trump did, because Ron gets very irritable with the press, with the media, especially the ones that are not friendly towards him. So uh, you, if you wanted to see it, and I did not get a chance to see it, I can probably look at it later in the day, but I, I, I know all that the, the news that was in it. But um, Trey Gowdy actually said uh, in his opening, from what I can tell, I got this word from two or three other people, was that Fox News will not crash during the interview. I promise you I will not crash. And... You know, uh, Tucker Carlson, who said this month that he would move his show to Twitter because, of course, it was, you know, his video went viral plus. Now he's got to be rethinking this, you know, because Twitter, as Musk attempts to move more video to Twitter, they're going to have to, uh, you know, enlarge their bandwidth. They're going to have to get an easier sign-on because I, I had a great deal of difficulty getting to it and somebody had sent me a direct link and I still couldn't get it. But apparently uh, Ben Shapiro at the Daily Wire is also going to start publishing their podcast to Twitter and that as of today, um, you know, Twitter has actually entered into the conservative media space with a vengeance. But they better, um, you know, if they're going to try to morph into a version of Fox News, they're going to have to do better because uh, that kind of, you know, I, I would never, until I hear it's they've gotten their act together, I will never watch it again. It was, it, it's stressful when you're trying to watch something, particularly something that's, you know, been categorized as so important. It's very stressful for me to have to keep logging in and logging off and trying to figure out what's going on. I don't have the time. None of us have the time anymore. 
We want to turn something on, hear and see what we need to hear and see, and then keep it moving. You know, start going into the websites where there'll be discussions about it. So if they can't host live events more effectively without problems than they did last night, then they're going to set themselves up for ridicule. It wasn't just uh, President Trump ridiculing them. It was the current president, well, at least his staff, since I'm sure he doesn't know what Twitter is. Well, maybe he knows what it is, but he wouldn't know how to get on it. Anyway, he was uh, ridiculing it. And, of course, the hashtag that was the top trending hashtag last night was disaster, which, of course, instead of DeSantis, was not what Ron was hoping for, and definitely not what Elon was hoping for either. So it's just, um, you know, here's my take on all of it, right? The, the chaos that ensued last night with this announcement was not an auspicious beginning for this campaign. Now, you know, I don't have to tell my listeners that I am not uh, happy that... Governor DeSantis jumped into this election now. I don't care how many times people tell me, you know, he's the, um, you know, even my son told me that he would support Ron DeSantis, and that's uh, huge. Um, But I don't need the left and the moderates to support the next president. I need a conservative, even if he's a crazy conservative. And I think that you're going to turn off a lot of people like me with this whole Harvard, Yale, Ron DeSantis kind of guy. That's just my feeling. And of course, for me, the number one reason is I voted for you to be my governor. And you promised me that you were going to be my governor. I do not like being lied to. You know, and I do not like the idea that you're using this state, my state, as a stepping stone to get to, you know, a larger office, to a more national office. In case people forget, Ron DeSantis was not successful in running for the Senate, which would have been a statewide race, much like the governor's race, and barely got the first uh, governor's term, and we all know would not have gotten that term if Donald Trump hadn't stepped out and, and endorsed him. That's just the reality. Ron said it then, too. So uh, I don't know what he thinks, but the rest of the country out here, Ron, you know, California is not a good gauge because California wouldn't support anybody who's conservative. But the rest of the country out here, they either don't know who you are or they hate you. You know, they think you're anti-gay, anti-Disney, anti-everything, and that's all they talk about. You know, every bill you, you don't even need a a concealed carry permit in Florida. This is the Wild West. Everybody's going to be shooting each other. That's how they see him in the rest of the country. And so that's not a recipe for winning. But again, you know, if all of these former Trump supporters who now think they're being so sophisticated by supporting Ron DeSantis have their way, the Republicans will lose the next presidential election and we'll be stuck with Kamala Harris, okay? Because even if they keep Joe Biden in there, which I doubt they will, we're going to be stuck with Kamala Harris. And I will blame you all into eternity. I will probably stop talking to many of you because I will blame you. I really will. Uh, the, the conservatives need to, to come together 
and to stop playing the like, oh, I'm, I'm too, uh, too moral to support Donald Trump, even though he did everything he said he was going to do. I'm just too moral. You know, I, I'm as moral as the next person, but I need a president who can pick up the phone and talk to uh, Xi Jinping like today. I need a president who is in conversations with uh, Kim Jong-un like today. I need somebody who, when Vladimir Putin sees the results in November of 2024, he says, oh, crap, I better clean up my act. Anyway, don't forget to visit the website, 850WFTL.com, to get up all the news. And not only that, to participate in our contest, you can't win if you don't play, or go to your 850WFTL app. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So the other thing that really struck me, and I'm sure there are plenty of people who had the exact same experience that I had, in the last 24 hours, the number of emails that I have received from the Ron DeSantis for President campaign is ridiculous. Now, I also have received a ton of emails from uh, the Donald Trump campaign, mostly just attacking the Ron DeSantis campaign. Um, this is a, such a whole new era because every single day when I open up my email, there's uh, probably in the course of any given day, there'll be 10 or 12 from Vivek Ramaswamy. There'll be mm, 15 to 20 from Nikki Haley. Now I'm starting to get the Tim Scott ones the last couple of days, and he was running at about 25, 30, and now it's petered down to uh, almost nothing. Um, and I assume it's because all the uh, oxygen is in the Ron DeSantis campaign. But it's interesting because the DeSantis ones are these rather long letters. And they include, you know, these, uh, what I call these quick response funding, um, you know, text freedom to a certain number to join our team. And then it'll have a whole like, uh, you know, a lot of campaigns are trying to convince you to donate with a fake 1,000 matching gimmick. And if you don't donate, they threaten you. They call you a bad Republican. They lead with fear instead of optimism. I don't get any of that do that, but okay. A team DeSantis, we're taking a different approach. Our entire fundraising and digital programs foundation is built on this principle. Our donors are a part of our team. They are not our personal piggy bank. Well, then would you please stop sending me so many requests? That's my answer. Look, I get it. He says, times are tough thanks to Joe Biden's economy, and our team doesn't want to pressure you towards donating if you can't afford it. You will never receive a solicitation from this campaign that promises a fake match or de degrades you for not donating. When we tell you about our internal fundraising goals, those are real numbers. No smoke and mirrors, no fake matches, and no lies. That's what this campaign is all about. And I promise you, that's the kind of president you will have when I am in the White House. If that sounds like the kind of campaign you want to invest in, then please become a recurring donor to our campaign today. 
You know, now I tell charities, especially the ones I sit on the board of, that recurring donations are really a great idea because a lot of people would give you $1,000 a year, but they can't do it in a lump sum. So if you tell them they can give you $50 a month or $100 a month, they jump. They say, okay, I could do that, you know. And now I got political candidates asking for the same thing. Chip in $100 every month uh, as a recurring donor to our campaign. Well, maybe that's a, a possibility and maybe it's not very practical. Because here's the first part about the difference between a political campaign and me giving to a charity of my choice. With a political campaign, am I donating money to a primary battle which ultimately may end up in a general election? And if so, how many people in the primary do I want to support? You know, am I going to send money to Donald Trump and then send money to Ron DeSantis and then send money to Vivek Ramaswamy and then send money to Nikki Haley and then send money to Tim Scott and then send money to whoever else jumps into this race? I think Asa Hutchinson's in it. Does that make any sense to anybody at all? And I want to encourage all of them to stay in the race. I would like to see this, I'd like to see 16 people like they had in 2016 so that I could then watch my candidate run like a, you know, a, a train through them. But that's, you know, my personal desire. I understand that that's, you know, not going to be necessarily the way it turns out. I think it'll be a much smaller field. And I also believe that you're going to see some candidates drop out pretty quickly. You know, they say Chris Christie is going to jump in. I, I don't think so. But even if he does, he won't last. You know, Ted Cruz quickly decided when he saw how it was shaping up that he wasn't going to jump in. So I don't think it's going to end up with the same number. Uh, and I think if it's a, just a head-on collision between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump, the party's going to have to do some serious soul-searching. Because this whole idea that, uh, you know, Trump can't win. We've been here before. I remember quite clearly being told over and over again that there was no way that Donald Trump could win, and he went on to win. So you're never going to be able to convince me and Trump supporters that he can't win. And you need us. If we're not in it, there was a, a guy came on last night, a mega donor for Ron DeSantis, was on, um, I want to say it was on Fox News with the, the guy I, I just have grown to, uh, dislike enormously, uh, Neil Cavuto. I used to like him, but he's just weird now. Anyway, um, he said that he thinks Donald Trump should drop out of the race because effectively he'll be a lame duck almost on day one because he can only serve one term. It would be a heck of a term, though, wouldn't it? That's the, uh, and then he said his number two reason is that he doesn't think he can win the general. And he goes on to say that it's going to be things like Nevada and Arizona and Virginia and Wisconsin. And I don't see Trump winning in any of those states. Now, wait a second. He's won in those states before. Lambert then, of course, you know, was praising DeSantis and saying, it's time to move on from Trump. You know, what do you think? Uh, we don't want a guy who's calling names. It's not going over well. Even the audiences at the rallies don't cheer for that. In fact, sometimes they boo. Well, guess what? People... Uh, will come, will begin to think very differently as we get closer and closer 
to the end of this primary. So, you know, stop paying attention. That's all I'm going to tell you to the naysayers on the, you know, DeSantis team who want you to forget about Donald Trump. Donald Trump ain't going nowhere. Donald Trump is still uh, 30 points, sometimes 40, 50 points ahead of Ron DeSantis, and that's in the national polling. Now, don't look at the, the you know, the small-minded programming and, and, and definitely the small-minded polling, which will tell you, oh, no, 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 uh, Ron does well against Biden, and Ron does well against this, and Ron does well against, you know, how does Ron do against Trump? That's what you need to focus on because that tells you what the motivation is. Now, it's early. Things could change substantially, but as of right now, if the Republicans want to win the presidency back, they better get behind Donald Trump. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, let me take a break. Stay right where you are. I'll be right back. Live from Los Angeles, a place uh, used to be fun to visit. All right, and uh, I saw a great editorial by my friend Howard Galganov, and uh, Howard always gives me permission to use his material as long as I give him credit for it. So I have to share it with you because it really was um, a very good encapsulation of what people like Howard and I are predicting is going to happen. He says... Uh, don't take it to the bank that the left's candidate will be Biden. I've been saying that as well. It's official. DeSantis has declared and the brawl is on. In the final analysis, the smart money seems to be on Trump versus DeSantis. But maybe I'm not that smart because I see another major player in the contest who also has a strong appeal. His name is Tim Scott who I believe is a player not to be underestimated. And don't take it to the bank that the left's candidate will be Biden. Any of the three above mentioned, meaning Tim Scott, uh, Ron DeSantis, or Donald Trump, with special recognition to Vivek Ramaswamy, they're all heads and shoulders above anyone the Democrats might put forward as their candidate. And that's someone other than the current doofus-in-chief. I like that expression. Howard, I'm going to steal that. Anyway, at this juncture, I wouldn't bet on candidate Biden running in 2024. Now, polls show Biden beating Trump handily from his basement. At the same time, polls show Trump eating Biden's breakfast and coming back for his lunch. Here's the bottom line. The Democrats are using every dirty trick to cripple Trump. They're suing Trump. They're investigating Trump for all, all kinds of issues. They're subpoenaing Trump for whatever they can. They're putting Trump before leftist grand juries and leftist judges, in addition to impeaching Trump not once, but twice. They've raided Trump's private property with guns drawn. They've threatened Trump's family. They've indicted Trump once, and will probably indict Trump again sooner rather than later. And they're trying to tie Trump up in the courts, trying to tie Trump up in the courts during the height of the primary campaign. In so doing, they're breaking every legal convention out in the open to keep Trump from running again in 2024. Why in a million years would they go to this extreme if they weren't terrified of Donald Trump? Why have the left and the most unlikely cohorts of the left, namely big tech, globalized industry, and insider Republicans, rhinos, whose hands are no less dirty than are the hands of the Democrats, eviscerated much of Reagan's shiny city upon the hill. The left and the Republican insiders know that if Trump makes it back to the White House, 
their movement to globalize and take control of all our freedoms will cease to happen. And he goes on to say the same thing I say. I like Ron DeSantis, and one day he might make a great president, but the left do not fear Ron DeSantis because Ron DeSantis is not Donald Trump. And Ron DeSantis has already been bought and paid for by the likes of the Koch organization, Fox News, the Karl Rove Super PAC, like all the politicians who might make it big, supported by the wealthy insiders with the deep pockets and a common goal to be number one above the people they feed upon. Donald Trump is not bought and paid for, except by the millions of Americans who will go to the mat for Donald Trump, because Donald Trump has gone to the mat for America and still won't take a knee. Why did Elon Musk, the world's richest man, do the official launch for Ron DeSantis? Why are all the Bush toadies like the Karl Rove rallying the troops for DeSantis? Didn't they already cause enough damage to America and by extension to the free world? And he doesn't mention this, but let me mention it, with the Bob Doles and the John McCains and the Mitt Romneys. Like, how much more do you need to know about the insiders in the Republican Party than that they always back losers? Don't get me wrong. I like Elon Musk. This is Howard talking. I really don't like Karl Rove. And if Ron DeSantis pulls it off and beats Trump because of the billions upon billions of dollars in actual money and in financial kind thrown against Trump by the left, DeSantis will get our support. While DeSantis puts his entire focus on Trump, I suspect Tim Scott, Vivek Ramaswamy, and others will be putting a bullseye on DeSantis, much like Nikki Haley, as Haley just took her first shot, not at Trump, but at the man Haley basically called the Trump impersonator. As for Trump, what can they say that hasn't already been said? And if they're all campaigning to be Trump light, why vote for an imposter when you can have the real deal? Tried? tested, and proven. Great warriors wear their battle scars to prove their worth, and Trump's worth is plenty. You know, I, I read that. I don't always read other people's material, but I love Howard, and I also think that every now and then, it's almost like he climbed into my brain, and because he's a better writer than I am, he wrote my thoughts down, and, and then I share them with you because it's really... Um, it's the truth. You know, I, I don't support Donald Trump because I'm not thoughtful. You know, when people tell me that, I'm really, like, shocked. Because, look, I, I'm not going to defend myself. You know, I, I got a, a really, uh, what I thought was a very, very nasty subject line from a, a friend who said, well, this is why you support Donald Trump and then proceeded to you know, lay out this case for how nobody wants him to get the nomination except like a handful of us crazies, right? And all I kept thinking was, you know, I, um, I'm not voting for the, the, the chief uh, moral officer of America. I am not voting for somebody to replace Billy Graham. I'm voting for somebody who is willing to tackle the enormous problems that are facing my country right now. And I want a track record when I do that. Now, knowing that Ron DeSantis was a great governor and has great ideas is not the same as knowing he would make a great president. I've been wrong about Ron DeSantis before, so believe me. 
I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not jumping up and down. I'm not going to be attacking him every 15 minutes because it is going to come down to either Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. And if it comes down to Ron DeSantis, I'm going to support him wholeheartedly, um, even though I know that he can't win. That's just the way it is. You know, the same way all of you are screaming that Donald Trump can't win, well, I'm quietly reminding you that Ron DeSantis can't win. And not only can he not win, in my opinion, but he will ruin his entire political future, which I had great hopes for. I mean, he is the future of the Republican Party. He's just not the present. You know, and and the fact that I have so many, uh, you know, mealy-mouthed Republicans saying that out loud, that Ron is the present for the Republican Party, reminds me of Mitt Romney, who Ann Coulter supported, reminds me of John McCain, who my son Derek supported, reminds me of, uh, you know, George Bush, who all y'all, Carl Rove and everybody else supported, and we did manage to get him across the finish line. And the saddest one of all, remind me of Bob Dole, a decent man who literally had his entire legacy trashed because of his loss. So I'm not going to be part of your game plan. You know, I'm just not. Um, Staying where I am, I'm pretty confident that I'm in a good position. If I'm wrong, you know, like I said, it won't be the end of the world, won't be the end of my radio career um, because I can, I have no problem admitting I was wrong. I admitted it within the first year of Ron DeSantis's governorship, I admitted I was wrong. I thought he would make a mediocre, maybe even a poor governor, and I couldn't have been more wrong about that. And uh, I don't feel that way about him in the presidency. I think one day he will make a fine president. This just ain't the day. And I'm going to go with the tried and proven because there's some things coming up in case you haven't thought about this, there's going to be some Supreme Court justices who are going to be retiring. One of them might be Clarence Thomas. One of them is definitely Sam Alito. Those are conservative justices. I do not need to lose an election where you know the Democrats get to pick those two justices. I also don't need someone picking justices based on what Karl Rove tells them to do. I need somebody like Donald Trump who has proven beyond a shadow of a doubt to me that he is going to pick the toughest conservatives possible and and he'll take the advice of the uh, Federalist Society and, and all those organizations where, by the way, I think they make a very good point when it comes to who should serve a lifetime appointment on the Supreme Court. That is the number one priority in the upcoming election. And anybody who thinks differently is stuck on stupid, and and I can't help you, and I'm not going to fight you anymore. I'm just going to keep making the case for my candidate, and I'll allow you to make the case for yours, and then they'll have to make the case to the American people. And trust me, um, I'm pretty confident about my guy. I know what he can do. I've seen what he can do, and I'm just prayerful that he gets to finish the job he started. And I don't care if he is a lame duck. He'll do more as a lame duck than most people will ever do in their first term because he's fearless and he knows that we are up against a deadline. If we don't fix this country in the next eight to 10 years, it will not exist. 
and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren will live in a socialist nation with a lot of issues that could have been prevented by a forgiving spirit about the, you know, the moral indignity of a Donald Trump. I'll swallow that to hold on to my country. All right, let me take a break. Don't forget, Dan Bongino's coming up at 1 o'clock, Ben Shapiro at 4 o'clock, Matt Walsh at 5 o'clock, and then, of course, it'll be the WPTV News at 6 o'clock. I'm here in Los Angeles. It is a very strange part of the country to be in. Trust me, there isn't a single Ron DeSantis supporter in the state, and uh, which is great for me. There's a few Donald Trump supporters, though, interestingly enough. So I'm just going to keep on keeping on, and I will be right back after this break. Stay right where you are. So it's all going to be about how much can you tune out and how much can you concentrate. Um, you know, these people that are asking um, Donald Trump to, to, to drop out of the race have to be as just this. They're dead from the neck up. I mean, that's not going to happen. Um, and I am, you know, I have to do this story, not because I want to. This is not something that I'm reveling in. But a couple of you over the years, more than a couple, lots of you over the years, and many of my fellow radio personalities have been beating me up for years because I don't go to CPAC. The last time I went to CPAC was eight or nine years ago because I saw something happening at CPAC that I really, I didn't want to be a part of. You know, um, They were doing a lot of judging about what conservatives think and how conservatives should think. And you know, we're not all made the same Obviously, you're seeing that in these primaries. We got the, uh, you know, the intellectual elitist Republicans. We got the big business Republicans. We have the uh, middle class Republicans, and then we have the working class Republicans. And I fit into almost all of those categories. Uh, and yet, I'm not a Republican. Why? Because there's a poisonous um, underbelly to the Republican Party. Just like there's a swamp in Washington, there's a swamp, and part of that swamp really was made obvious at CPAC, you know. So it was very interesting to me today to see a story. Now, it was a story on a website that I don't frequent, but it was a story that I had, it was piggybacking on a story that I had read before. Bob Boprez, who was the uh, treasurer of the American Conservative Union, which is the organization that puts on CPAC events, um, wrote a letter and he outlined what he thought was not just mistreatment of staffers, but also um, concealment of money that they paid to defend Matt Schlapp, another person who I'm not a big fan of. You know, I like Mercedes, but I'm really not a big fan of Matt. Uh, he was accused by one of Herschel Walker's uh, Senate campaign staffers of groping him when he was visiting in Georgia during the 2022 election. And, um, you know, I, look, I think people make claims. We don't know if they're true or not. But I think that when these staffers come forward and identify themselves. Look, if they make them anonymously, I'm not interested because anonymous is, uh, you know, that's a cover. And I, I don't like that. 
But this guy, uh, Carlton Huffman, actually came forward and denied, you know, and, and Schlapp, of course, denied it. And then Huffman filed a, I think it was almost $10 million defamation lawsuit. And, and I never heard again about that story. And I looked for some answers. Um, and I had to look in weird places, like Ben Jacobs' column in the New York Magazines, and Beauprez wrote this letter of resignation to the ACU just now, um, in which he said, I cannot deliver a financial report at the upcoming board meeting with any confidence in the accuracy of the numbers, complaining that he was not properly informed about the money being raised from donors and paid to attorneys to defend Schlapp against Huffman's lawsuit. Days after the lawsuit was filed, Beauprez, who's a former Republican congressman, wrote that ACU's executive committee fronted Schlapp 50 grand so he could immediately retain a lawyer. Schlapp hired Ben Chu, a prominent litigator who was uh, one of the attorneys that actually represented Johnny Depp in his lawsuit against Amber Heard. And after some back and forth over who should pay for future costs, Beauprez wrote he was blindsided when Schlapp told him that he had raised another $270,000 from donors to ACU and its related foundation, ACUF. He said his shock grew when he said ACU's lawyer told him in February at CPAC that the money was already either dispersed or invoiced. I have to admit that I feel like I'm in the dark, Beauprez told the board. I have received no further information about what additional costs have accrued since then. I assume any monies paid are either coming from Matt personally or from ACUF. But again, I don't know, and it is most unsettling. He added that as of the bo March board meeting, the full board has never been fully briefed on the status of the lawsuit or the expenditures, there had been no discussion of liability insurance coverage, which all of these organizations have. I sit on enough boards to tell you we have liability insurance. No opportunity to ask questions and no mention of the case at all. I thought this was not only inappropriate but unconscionable, he wrote. All of us as directors not only have a, f a right but a fiduciary obligation to be made aware of what, how, and why monies are being spent. I can only tell you that this treasurer is absolutely right. I am the treasurer of a board in Broward County, a nonprofit agency's board, and I feel personally and uh, in, in every other way responsible for looking at the financial statements. I ask questions, I read them, I have to sign off on them, and when there's uh, an issue, I know the insurance companies that are involved, and we make sure that all the eyes uh, are dotted and all the T's are crossed. And the fact that this treasurer was being treated like a mushroom and kept in the dark and fed a lot of poop, I don't blame him for resigning. I would too. And again, I hate to say this, but I've been worried about CPAC for years. This is a cancer that's been metastasizing within this organization for years. And if they don't treat it and cure it, you simply cannot survive something like this. Schlapp is, of course, not responding yet to any of these comments. So that's the story. Um, again, I'm broadcasting live from Los Angeles, which is a great place to be on the heels of all the news that's been coming out. And it'll give me a very different perspective. 
So I thank you for your time this time until next time. My plan is to be right back here at a microphone on tomorrow. It'll be 12 o'clock your time. It'll be 9 o'clock my time, which is always fascinating. And uh, if it be his will and he delays his coming. So remember, what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then, of course, may God bless you. And may God bless all the candidates, and may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.